people sometimes think when you have setbacks that that's what makes you a worse athlete. But I think that I'm good at championships maybe because of my setbacks, yeah. you know, not despite my, my setbacks. Mm -hmm. So I really use that mentally to, to also not give up throughout the race. Cause I'm like, well, what was all that pain, you know, like in the year leading up, what was it all for? If I'm going to give up now in like just 25 laps in the heat, who, who cares? It's just 25, it's half an hour, you know, like that's, it's not a year. I've just been hurting for a year. How do we become our best? and live a life of meaning and purpose. In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins, and this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back, or if it's your first time today, welcome to What's Right Within. Eloise, tell us about our guest today. I know you're excited. I am. I'm very excited. I've wanted to have this person on for a long time. And I mean, we've had some pretty special guests. Um, but today we have the honor of interviewing one of the most positive people I know. Um, she's a fierce competitor, an incredible athlete, an Olympic distance runner, um, European championship silver medalist, uh, European championship bronze medalist, multiple world championship representative. It's Susan Crummins. Welcome, Susie. Thanks for having me. What an intro. <laughs> Actually, and I should have said, I should have added to that. Now you're the author of a special training journal called Dreams. Yeah, yeah, I made that book this uh, this year because obviously you said multiple world championship representative. I've done a lot of racing in the past years, but then this year it was suddenly this massive gap with the uh, with the Olympics being moved, and I was like, I really want to make use of this year and not make it a wasted year. Mm. And uh, I've had this idea for a long time that I wanted to just kind of all the knowledge that I collected over the years and just all the things that happened and how I plan and how I work towards my goals. I want to share that with other people mm -hmm. and just put it in a book. But I always thought I have no time for this. I need to focus on, you know, my running and just making sure I, I maximize that as long as I can. Um, but yeah, then this year it was actually perfect. And a friend of mine, she had a similar idea and then we worked together on this book and we actually did it really quick throughout the summer. So it would be out still this year. So it came out uh, two months ago. And yeah, it's actually the timing is just perfect because obviously there's no races and, and a lot of runners are just a little bit lost with their goals and motivation. And this kind of helps to just, uh, you know, still see the value in every day, even though you don't have a race on the calendar. And uh, that's kind of what we wanted to share with everyone. Yeah. And you kept it so much on the down low because we were meant to... <laughs> We wanted to train in Flagstaff leading into what would be, well, I guess, my Olympic trial in, in May, but then the world kind of imploded on itself and that all got canned. But then we Zoom called and you mentioned yeah. nothing about writing a, a book. That's with the running as well. Like it's, it's like I, I'm not someone who like, I don't like to talk things up before it actually happens. And it's probably the same way how I treat like the way to championship I'm not going to say oh, I'm going really well in in my training and I'm just gonna drop a bone at this championship yeah I just like to just put in work and then show it on the day and that's yeah. kind of what happened with the book too I actually don't know what we zoom called if, if I already decided that I was going to do it because like I said we just worked really hard on it for a couple of months and, and yeah, did it right. really quick so yeah <laughs> that's, that's so impressive and there's so much we want to talk about that's 
related to the book and, and also to your, your career, Susan, but um, maybe first, um, this, this year, as you mentioned, has been particularly challenging for everyone. And obviously it was supposed to be an Olympic year. Um, what was the first half of the year like for you when things started to, to change really quickly? Uh, yeah, it was difficult because I actually uh, trained in Australia for, um, I think it was maybe two months. I had a really good training there and I was in really good shape, came back to Holland to start racing. And then my very first race in February, um, I got to the race and stayed in hotel. And then in the morning of the race, it got canceled because of a massive storm. So it was like oh. crazy. First race of the year got canceled, had nothing to do with COVID. COVID wasn't there yet. And I was like really annoyed because I was like, oh, I'm such good shape. And I really want to show that I can run a fast 10K. But I was like, luckily, I still have New York half on the calendar. So I'll just focus on that. So it was, it was just like kind of a long build up. So like it actually worked really well for me because I was in good shape. And then obviously COVID hit and then I had my bags packed and I was ready to fly to New York the next morning. And they said, oh, actually, the race got canceled. So it was literally I did the whole build up and I was just ready to do a fast half marathon. And I haven't actually done a good half marathon. So I was like really looking forward to it. And then, you know, that happened. I was like, well, I guess we just have to accept this and, and just, you know, keep training and see what happens. But I noticed straight away that it was really hard uh, with all the uncertainty to just find the energy to train. It just, it just took up the way too much energy. And it's just normally I'm so focused and have my goals and, and I work best with that. But then when you're suddenly not sure about it, I, I just couldn't put it in the same effort in training. So I took a couple of weeks a bit easier and then started training again. Obviously, when the Olympics got moved, I actually felt quite relieved because I was like, I don't want to be training maybe for the Olympics because I'm going to have to, you know, put everything in that prep and, and, and really take some risks to be, you know, at my best. I'm not going to go there and just play it safe. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's either like I'm either injured or I'm like my very best uh, yeah. shape ever. So, yeah. so uh, it was actually better that it probably got moved. Then I did get end up getting injured uh, on my Achilles, um, maybe because of all the training I put in for that half marathon. Maybe I didn't, you know, hold back enough after that because I was also a bit frustrated that I couldn't show um, in what shape I was. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I got injured, and that was actually that was not a great time because it was just, you know, everything was closing down. We had a lockdown that wasn't as strict as Australia, but but still, you know, you couldn't really do much and. I also couldn't run outside so <laughs> so then suddenly the ap apartments started becoming really small um, but through that and you know once the summer came around and the weather started getting better and more daylight it, it was all good and I started back running and then ended up going to St. Moritz and and um and still putting in a good block of training so uh I feel like I didn't completely waste my year in my running because you know that prepared me to pace at the um London Marathon yeah. and that was really fun Experience and um, and I'm glad that I got to do that and and that was kind of like well for me running wise that was probably the highlight of my year even though it was a pacing job. Oh <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, and um, you did such a great job there um, pacing our girl Sinead Diver. Um, yeah. Go back to when COVID first hit and everything started, all the races started getting cancelled and um, you know all the lockdowns around the world started happening and you started this you kind of pioneered this month of gratitude and mm -hmm. it was so powerful. And so many people that I spoke to were like looking at, um, I guess I'll explain the premise. It was three, um, find three things that you're grateful for each day. Um, when, you know, yeah. 
what you feel like the world was caving in around you. You could find three things that you were grateful for each day. And um, they were, you know, some of your things were so small and, but it was, it, they're actually really powerful. And um, yeah, can you tell us a bit more about that idea and, and um, you know, what came from that? Yeah, I, I just noticed that like, I always like to be positive about things because it makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. But then when suddenly when you have to stay at home and you can't do anything, sometimes you just kind of dwell on it and you just make it all negative and you make people around you feel, you know, unhappy about things when if we were all a little bit more positive that that rubs off on other people as well. Yeah. So I thought let's do this gratitude thing because I do this for myself and I, I, often do it actually and I just don't really talk about it on social media and I just write down things for myself mm. and the rule is that you write down three things but you can't write uh, the same things so you, I do normally do it for a month mm -hmm. and um, write down three things and you can't repeat the same thing so first you do maybe the obvious things or maybe you know you're going to do them later but every day you're kind of looking around and just um, you're a bit more present because you're actually looking around and seeing, okay, what am I actually enjoying out of today? And mm -hmm. because you're looking for those things, you're already, your mindset's more positive and, and that gives me energy. So I was like, I want to share that. And it's just, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's helped me throughout the years, but especially in this period, obviously. And then, yeah, all these people started doing it with me and writing down their gratitude list and also tagging me in it. So I saw all these other positive messages from other yeah. people. And it's that's someone trending. Wrote... <laughs> <laughs> trending, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so it was so cool to see things and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, they're grateful for that. I am actually grateful for that I didn't even write it down yet. Oh I'm 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 so grateful for just, you know, uh, people learning skills <laughs> or whatever, right? And I'm like, oh this is just yeah, it's it's a great reminder that there's still so many good things going on. So uh, yeah. yeah, I really like it. And actually I, I ended up putting a page in the book. Let me see if I can find it. It's oh yeah, it's the gratitude gratitude boards. This is this is just Love an it. example of Mm. And that's yeah. just the board, the book, there's a page there. And, and that's the thing, this book is not, um, it's not like a diehard running geek kind of book where you, you know, want to just write down your splits and, uh, mm. you know, like a, just, just about race goals and things. It's more about enjoying the process as well. Mm. And this is part of that. And it's like all these little prompts of making a gratitude list, but also in the weekly schedule, it it's always has a question there. And the question is not very serious. It's just about like, um, who made you laugh this week? You know, like things like that. And it just makes you think about, oh yeah, that was actually very funny. Oh, let me write that down. So it's more <laughs> of a, in between like a training log and a diary and uh, yeah, just kind of giving yourself motivation, but with your own journey. Susan, that's such a powerful example of um, gratitude because we've talked on the show before about the science of gratitude and how valuable the practice of gratitude is for well-being. And when we talk about gratitude, sometimes it can sound a little, um, like it's hard to fully appreciate the benefits of it when you say like, write down, you know, three things you're grateful mm -hmm. for each day. Fluffy. Yeah. And, and I think some people are quick to dismiss it because of that. But what's so unique about your experience with this that I want to um, get your, your views on is what it was like to practice gratitude like that in a community. And do you feel like sharing it amplified the practice yes definitely did definitely did like what i said that that i saw that other people were doing it as well made me realize even more there's more things to be grateful for mm -hmm. and i have to say that because not everyone started at the same time when i actually finished my month 
I was still looking for things because I kept getting reminded by other people that they were still doing their boards. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely think that that, you know, imagine that's, that you would always see things like that around. And, and that's the whole idea of it too. It's not that you just do it for this month. It's just mm -hmm. that it kind of changes the way you look at your days. So it kind of sticks with you, but to get reminded by other people that they were still doing it actually helped me in return. So it was really nice to share that with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Cause it just seems like such a, a great creative way to do it because you're getting obviously the benefit of how you're rewiring your brain to notice the good <laughs> and to, to boost positive emotion like that, but you're also building connection and social relationships, which are such a pillar of well-being as well. So um, I, I want to go to the other thing you said there too, about um, the importance of setting goals. And I know your journal is includes, um, includes, you know, goal setting and, and various things like that. I know that you've got a really unique um, way of capturing your weekly goals, but tell us about that. <laughs> but also, um, also what goal setting is for you and, and why you do it. Uh, yeah, you're, you must be referring to my whiteboards. <laughs> it's, a so it's, it's getting a bit out of hand, my whiteboard. Yeah, I started making this, um, this whiteboard. I have it, it's in the kitchen and I started planning out my week on the whiteboard just with like my, my running sessions, my cross training sessions, my gym, my prehab. So just that I would have an overview for myself. Um, and also because I do a lot of training by myself. So in the morning I would sit at the breakfast table and I would just stare at the board and see the board there. And then in the morning I would see what my training was. And I was like, well, you know, I can't lie to the whiteboards. I have to do whatever's <laughs> on the whiteboards. <laughs> so like, it doesn't matter that Nick's not watching that. Like, I don't have anyone to meet up for training today. Like I'll be doing what's on the whiteboard. So that was the first reason why I did it. But then I started sharing it on, on social and people love the idea of planning out the week and make it visual like that. Um, but then of course it had to get prettier for Instagram. So like I'm putting all these colors in and like now when I make my whiteboard, it, it pretty much takes up the whole Sunday. <laughs> so like It has like all these stick figures running around and now it's really colorful and like kind of a piece of art. So now when I look at it, I'm actually like proud. I'm like, well, this week looks beautiful. Let's make it beautiful in real life. Yeah. So it's like, Kind of it makes it really fun to plan it out like that um, but yeah I've always been like really good with like writing down things and, and making things visual because I feel like you can say and think so many things but once you've written it down it's real and it's like I've done that with goals in the past like you know when I wanted to get a, a medal I would literally just write write on a post-it like get that medal stick it on the on the mirror and when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning I look at that and I'm like okay yeah this is why I am actually doing my cross training session today or something I actually don't really like to do in the lead up but I know it could actually lead to that result mm. so for me that's yeah that's a way just yeah just to remind me that you know even when you're doing something hard that it's that it's kind of worth it mm. um, and now in the book we have different ways because not everyone thinks of their goals as there's so many different ways to set your goals. It doesn't necessarily, as a runner, it doesn't need to be a time goal or a medal. You can have, you know, tiny little goals that will actually contribute for that. So like, for me, it's like for next year, if I want to be better, I can't have so many interruptions. So I need to get stronger so that I can have consistency in my training. Well, my hip mobility needs to get better. So I need to do my stretches. So like, how about I start doing my stretches or like yoga stretches, like three times a week. And that can be a goal. And it's a simple goal that you, you know, maybe people don't really think of that could help your running. So mm -hmm. in the book, it has all these ideas of, 
you have to actually look at what are your weaknesses and why aren't you running any faster than you are or why aren't you getting as much enjoyment out of your running if you have injuries um, and trying to solve that problem by setting little goals on the way instead of just thinking about that marathon that you want to do in New York or whatever. It's just too far away. You can have mm. a big goal, but you need to park that at the end of the road. And then today you're just mm. driving a couple of Ks in the right direction and you're probably going to get all these detours, but you'll get there eventually mm. as long as you just focus on your road just ahead. Cause it's no point focusing on like New York that's so far away because like you're not there yet. So I think yeah. that's, that's something that I'm, I'm trying to, to share with people that, you know, if you just break it up, then it's, it's much easier to just have these different milestones and work towards that. Great. And it sounds like this, um, again, you know, you've taken the science and made it really made it better by bringing some creativity to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like goal setting, yeah. a, a lot of people, you know, when they think about goal setting, it feels like, oh, it's maybe something they do on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, you know, and they set a few goals and then they get rid of them a few weeks later. But I really like how you've got the big picture in mind, but you're not um, focusing on the big picture every day. You're mm. connecting the, the, what are the small things that I can do right now that are going to move me somewhat in that direction? You know, you're not fixating on outcomes you're bringing mm. joy to the process. Mm. Um, yeah. Is that something that you've always done or where have you learned that along the way? Um, I think Nick actually, Nick, Nick Bedeau, my, my coach, and uh, he's played a big role in that too because he kind of showed me that you don't need to overcomplicate today and that, you know, you just need to build layer upon layer upon layer and then you get strong enough to actually, you know, get close to that goal. I don't know if he told you about the phone book, Eloise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The phone book. Yeah. I always, I like to think about the phone book. The phone book is that, um, you know, every, every, it's a big book and it's a strong book that you can't just rip in two, but all the little pages, they're thin pages and one page represents one training session mm. and all the pages add up to that strong book. And mm. if, if there's a page missing here or there, then that's okay. It's still going to be a strong book, but you have to understand that today you actually have the opportunity to add another page to your book and make mm. it stronger. Mm. So like it's for me, it's like, it's my motivation because I know I can add something to it, but it also makes me relax more in my head. And I don't need to stress out if today is not perfect because the book doesn't actually need to be perfect to be very strong. Mm. So I like to look at it that way. And um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah he, he just makes me just, feel more relaxed when things don't go perfectly to plan. And actually for me, it never goes to plan. Like for every championship and every championship I did well at, like I've had massive setbacks and, and missed months of training and mm. it still ends up working out because I'm actually not too overly focused on that angle, but just on today and what I can do mm. to make the most out of, out of today. So like, I think that's, that's been uh, really important for me too. And, and, and maybe that is also because only once I started training with Nick, I started really doing well at a, at a global level since 2013. And before that, I think I was too focused on like, Oh my God, I need to do this because otherwise I'm never going to make it to this championship and I need to run this time. It's, it's like when you're running a race and you're so focused on running a qualifier, you're never going to run it. But if you just focused on turning left and taking a step and breathing well, you know, like it's in a 10K, I am just literally breathing, taking steps, staying in the pack, turning left, going straight. And that's how I get my best results. Not by thinking, 
oh, I need to do this many more laps. What pace are we running? Uh, who's ahead of me? What happens if I'm going to win? I need to get a medal. I need to get top eight because otherwise I'm not going to get funded. And, you know, like things like that. If you're stressing yeah. out about that, yeah. you're not going to get there. But that's, I mean, that's actually, that's in the book as well. That's about, uh, <laughs> it's about the circles, you know, like it's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, some German psychologist talked about these uh, different circles of uh, attention, I think you call it yeah. in English. Yeah. Um, and that that's like great. in in circle one is is where you're just worried about what you're doing right now like i'm talking to you you're talking to me and that's what we're doing but i could also be worried about oh how actually do i look on camera i didn't comb my hair like that's gonna take (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna take away from my conversation you know like you don't need to worry about that or what if i say something and what do people think about it when they listen to the podcast and you know like if you're just Mm. going out of those circles and that works with running as well it's Mm. You know, if you're thinking about thinking too far away from circle one, you can get distracted and actually not maximize what you're doing. And I think I'm in a way I'm I'm lucky that I'm very good at staying in circle one. So like yeah. when when I'm running, I can fully focus and be present. And you know, if if I'm in the last four hundred, I am not thinking about a result or anything. I'm just thinking how can I run the fastest so that I outkick these people around me. And um, I think that's helped me in races like in in smaller places like that but also overall in a whole year in that i know how to when i go on a training camp to just focus on training get the most out of training camp because that's why i'm there i'm not there to you know hang out with friends and have lots of fun and i do want to do that too but i also realize to get the best out of yourself there is no balance in like 24 hours or a week or a month Mm. i make sure that there's balance in a whole year but I kind of make decisions on what's important at a certain time. And then I really, really focus on that. And, um, this guy, sorry, I'm rambling on. No, it's good. (laughs) I've seen that about you. I've seen, I've obviously been on many training camps with you and it's inspiring and it's, it's motivating for me and for everyone around you. How can our listeners start to develop what you've developed that, um, I guess that ability to be, to be present in, um, in any moment. Mm. Yeah, that's very difficult because I think it's it's also by probably making mistake making mistakes that I've learned to actually change that because I tried to do too many things and I wanted to do everything at the same time and then I realized I had to actually make decisions in in what I thought was most important to be good at it because I'm a terrible multitasker and actually most people are but they don't admit it but I, I am I'm actually worse than most people so like I know that I have to focus on one thing to be good at it Mm. and I I made mistakes in running for example that you know I just got injured because I tried to do too many things outside of it you know I was like studying and working and friends and this and everything was important to me and then the results didn't come and then actually nothing really really gave me as much joy because you know what I was actually trying to do wasn't really working out so Mm -hmm. then I'm like okay you have to make this sacrifice and actually plan it a bit better so that you can actually, you know, put more into your running. And then after that, when you have your off time, you actually really enjoy it and you feel like you deserve it. And um, that makes it so much better. So I think part of 
how I think in my head is also my planning and just how I plan out my year and, and make decisions and talk to people about it. And so that they understand too, like my family understands when I have to go away on training camps and, you know, when I can't always be there for Christmas, now I'm here for Christmas, we can't have Christmas, but anyway, <laughs> but like it's, it's like, as long as the people around you understand and know why you're doing something, I think that makes it easier for yourself to also focus on something. So you know yeah i don't know like when you when you don't have time for something at some point you will have time for that but these people around you need to understand that too and i think if you have the support from people around you then it's much easier to focus on what you want to do yeah and i i think for anyone listening you know the the real nugget from what you've talked about there i think is identifying what matters most to you at any given time mm-hmm. and fully yeah. committing yourself to that and being fully present in that and yeah. the process of that you know whether that's you know training camp you you know why you were there first and foremost you know what the purpose of it is and you therefore are really intentional about how you show up to that and um and how you your attitude in that time but then equally when it's off time you're able to be fully off and i think that's a skill yeah. that applies to anyone who wants to achieve you know aspirations or you know pursue potential in any area is like Mm. identifying what matters to you being fully committed and present in the process but then the balance comes from being fully present when you're not doing it you know what i mean as opposed to balance as this juggle that you're constantly splitting your attention between lots of different things yeah exactly i think that um, for example, even yesterday I was, I was writing, uh, I write a column for runner's world and I had a deadline and I knew I had to finish the column and I didn't have much time. So my phone goes in airplane mode, everything goes off and I quickly write the column and I'm like fully focused on writing this column. And I think it's almost like in life that sometimes you need to put the rest on airplane mode, you know, like use that airplane mode to actually really be doing what you want to do. And you can actually be way more efficient that way and when you do end up having time to you know spend time with family or friends it's 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 more you're more present in that as well so i think it makes all the time more quality time but it's easier said than done i know that people have lots of things to juggle but you know if you if you plan ahead and and at least try to make that work then i think you already step in the right direction yeah Mm. and you know we talk a bit too about being in flow and being in the present moment as a gateway to flow and mm-hmm. I, I just want to highlight from that you know i think there's there's all sorts of intricacies that we can talk about about how to get into a flow state but probably the fundamental thing that's not so attractive is to remove distractions you know mm. you need to be like flow follows focus and so to be fully focused in the present moment whatever that present moment entails getting rid of distractions is like an accelerant to being able mm-hmm. to enter into a flow state. When I talk about like the, the airplane mode, it's, it's not even that, it's not like I get that many messages, but just the, the <laughs> fact that I, I know that it's impossible to actually receive a message already gives me that rest mm. and peace in my head that I know I can focus on something. So um, yeah, I wish we had airplane mode for everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> new business venture be a bit more focused <laughs> now it is nice to look around as well i mean it's like when you're doing a hard training session you're not just focused on like 
oh, I need to hit my splits or my heart rate needs to be this. It's nice to look around and, and see the birds and the nature. And if you didn't do that, you're not actually living. So I, I'm not saying that you need to have full tunnel vision all the time. Um, but you need to know when to switch between the different circles and know when it's important to be in circle one. Yeah, totally. that's good. Hey, you mentioned before um, that you've had a bunch of injuries and, you know, every major championship has been, it's been a challenge for you physically to get there and obviously mentally mm-hmm. too. What, what can you tell us about those challenges and what can you tell us about the resilience um, that's required to go to a major championship when you know that things haven't been perfect? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so since probably since 2014 i've had like lots of achilles injuries foot injuries um had a parasite last year i thought i had you know every injury possible and then still something goes wrong and i missed so many months of training um but i kind of learned that you know through focusing on what i can do that i can still make my way there and for example um 2017 actually we trained together in the summer it was a great summer uh i did really well at the world championships was probably in my best shape ever you nailed it then yeah towards the end of the season um last race of the season actually it was in brussels diamond league um yeah i raced a 5k someone fell in front of me i stepped to the sides didn't really feel anything at the moment at that time uh, just finished the race, actually ran a PB, still my PB for 5k. <laughs> and then after the race, I was like, oh, my foot's a little bit sore. And then uh, I still ran for an hour the next day in Brussels because I was like, oh, I need to get to this next race. It's very important. It doesn't matter that this foot's sore. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, later I got a ultrasound MRI and I tore my plantar. Oh. So yeah, that was, not, that was not so good. And that was like an injury that was probably my worst injury, if I think out of all the injuries, because I had to go in a boot for seven weeks in the end so it was a long time um and then slowly work my way work my way back through like cross training so first in the pool because i couldn't actually do anything with the foot and then on the bike still went to boot on then on the bike with the boot off then elliptical and then um alter g and then finally back outside running um only on the way to 2018 for me that was a european championship in berlin um i still had to qualify for that as well but then when I was training in April, I was outside running again. Um, I had another setback and I had to go back in the boots and just, uh, you know, not non-weight bearing, just back in the pool. And it was just so many ups and downs on the way to mm-hmm. Berlin. And I could have easily at that stage thought like, okay, I've just, you know, recovered from this injury for so many months. And then in April, there's another setback and this championships in August, like I might as well give up. And I even got asked a question when I was at altitude in Flagstaff, like, well, Susan, isn't it better to just go home? You know, like it's, it's not really going anywhere. And I was like, but going home is like the same as giving up. Like I know that I'm not happy here. Like everyone around me is running and I can only go to the pool and it's a really sad situation. But if I go home now, that means I'm not going to Berlin. So I don't want to, you know, let's forget about Berlin, but like I can get better today. So I was just really focused on doing my pool sessions and I drove to the pool every day. And then I sat in the locker room for like 10 minutes, listening to music, psyching myself up to go in the pool and actually do the aqua job session. But I mean, I got through the month and actually got really fit from just cross training at altitude, got back to Holland, ended up magically just running the qualifier of almost no training and work my way to Berlin. But when I was in Berlin, I think because of all these setbacks, I was so strong on my head and 
I remember talking to Nick on the day of the race. Like I had just done my shakeout and um, it was in the summer in Berlin and it was like 38 degrees. It was like the hottest day ever. Like my eyeballs were burning as I was running outside and I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? I didn't train enough and I, you know, this pool training is never going to work out. And I just suddenly didn't, didn't feel so confident. And then I talked to Nick and then Nick said, yeah, you know, the fact that you actually with everything that happened this year that mm. you made it to the star line, no one is going to break you mentally. It's mm. like physically, I can't tell you if you've done enough training, but mentally no one is going to break you on that starting line. So mm. that's how I went into that race. And I knew I'm just going to hold on to, you know, whatever pace they're going to run. And just, I have nothing to lose here. And I think that in a way people sometimes think, when you have setbacks, that that's what makes you a worse athlete. But I think that I'm good at championships, maybe because of my setbacks, yeah. you know, not despite my, my setbacks. Mm -hmm. So I really use that mentally to, to also not give up throughout the race. Cause I'm like, well, what was all that pain, you know, like in the year leading up, what was it all for? If I'm going to give up now in like just 25 laps in the heat, who, who cares? It's just 25, it's half an hour, you know, like that's, it's not a year. I've just been hurting for a year. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's, that's how like in that race, it was like, it was one of those crazy races where there was like lots of pace changes and lots happening. I had a side stitch from like 4k on and it was just, <laughs> everything was going wrong. And I, I didn't even know what lap I was in, how many laps I had to go. And I just knew I had to turn left and not stand on the rail. And I was getting so hot that I was like trying not to run straight. And I was like, I just don't know what position I'm in and like where the finish is. But I made it to that finish line and I won the silver medal there. Wow. And for me, that, that's, that really confirmed that like it, it almost doesn't matter what happens in the lead up mm. as long as you just don't give up and just, you know, just, try to do what's best on, on the day. And, and, and then once you get closer to that goal, yes, it's, it's okay to, to look to the finish line and, and see what you want to do. But before that, it's just, there's no need to, to panic about a big end goal. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that for me that, I mean, that was in 2018. And in the years before that, something similar happened, but probably not as extreme. But after that, I, I know that just any kind of setback, it's, it's no problem. I'll just deal with it. Yeah, because yeah. you've done it before and, and you've proven yourself. And I remember watching that race in the dead of the night here in Australia. <laughs> and I, honestly, I was a complete wreck um, just having some idea of what you'd been through. Um, and yeah, just watching how brave you were and just fighting, fighting to the very finish. And the photos of your finish, the photos of your finish were just absolutely excellent. Um, yeah. Just how it's much fun, pain fun, you look like you're in. But what did you what did you coin yourself as? The oh, the, the dying the dying swan. That's right, the like, dying swan. <laughs> yeah, I'm known as the dying swan now, and this is because of my brother. My brother used to when I did like races as a junior, and if I didn't win, and if I was upset about that, he'd be like, "Yeah, that wasn't so good, but it was a great impersonation of a dying swan." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, thanks. And where do, you, where do you think you found the impersonation of a dying swan resemblance? <laughs> like, what? I am not sure. No I'm idea. not sure. No it's idea. Pretty crazy. If you look at the photos, it's like that's that is probably what it would look like. Yeah, they're, they're pretty. They're, the finished photos are pretty terrible. I have these like big eyes and just like I'm so crooked. <laughs> So, and we, and we did put a photo like that in, uh, in the book as well, because that's another thing, like on, on social media, everything is 
pretty and perfect, but this is real, you know, like this is yeah. what you look like, give it your all and like you can just right. see in my eyes and I'm like, where's this finish line? I need to make it there. And um, that's in the, in the perform um, chapter because we have different chapters in there. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's all about like just giving it your all and, and actually not caring about what other people think of that. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell right there. um, You know, that race is such a great example of what's possible when we turn, um, we turn pain into purpose, you know, it's like, okay, there's there's purpose to this pain and there's perspective in terms of why I'm here and why I've endured what I've endured. And the results, not what I'm thinking about. I'm just committed to the process that has a purpose to it. That is what matters Mm -hmm to me right now and how can I give all of myself to that you know and I think again that's you know that's what's possible like you you got silver in that when yeah. you basically weren't able to run very much in the lead up you know like that's it's yeah. amazing mm. um I remember earlier before before the race on the same day I when I after I talked to Nick I, I thought about this quote that I read a couple of weeks before that and I was like it really reminded me of that the conversation that we had and it was, uh, my dreams are bigger than my excuses. Mm. And I remember writing it down on a piece of paper and putting it in my spike bag. And then just before I went onto the track, I read that again. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. My dreams yeah. are bigger than my excuses. I'm going to get this medal. Mm. And that's actually the reason that the book is called Dreams. Because some of those mm. people ask, like, well, every good story starts with a dream. That's, of course, the reason. But, yeah, because we started talking about the quote, we are like, yeah, it needs yeah. to be called dreams. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I love that. And, you know, there was a question that um, we wanted to ask you. We probably would normally ask it earlier, but I think, um, you know, now's the perfect time. And that is, when did your running dream first um, come to you? Like, what, where did it all start for you? Um, well, I actually, as a, as a kid, I did a lot of different sports. So I did, um, I played tennis skiing um i did gymnastics i was actually in a circus i was very good on the unicycle i'm not allowed to do it anymore but <laughs> i would still love to do it um very good on the so ball hoop the- as well oh i'm very good that for a fact yeah so all those dangerous things so um yeah i did lots of different sports but i also i have a twin brother Mm-hmm. I'm six minutes older so we played lots of sports together and i i was used to just you know keeping up with the boys of my own age that was like the first time that I really got that you know competitive drive because I was like well he's my brother so he's not gonna run from run away from me but I remember girls in my class being surprised that I was even trying to take on the boys in any sport but I'm like no I can keep up with my brother so I can keep up with all these other boys yeah so that's probably the first time that I got like really competitive um, and then I played all these sports and then my mom was like, well, it's, it's a little bit busy. Maybe you need to like make some decisions. And then I actually chose in the end, uh, athletics cause I just liked the variety and all the different events. Um, but when I was 12, my, my dad read in the paper that if you did this like running tests, um, with like sprints and jumps and all that kind of stuff for like a running club, um, that you could win a pair of Nike shoes. And mm. my parents would always take me to the, to the shop <laughs> to get new shoes. And I would always go to like the no like shitty brand section and say, yeah, you can pick a pair of shoes here. <laughs> so I was always like more focused on the color. So I'm like, well, as long as it has pink and purple, then it's a good shoe. So like I was, I was happy with that. But then 
you know, my dad's like, oh, if you do this, you can win a pair of Nike shoes. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go and try to do this. And I didn't actually think that I was good at running. So I went there and it was the running club that is connected to the Seven Hills Race, which is a 15K road race in my hometown of Nijmegen. And they have like a little like uh, um, talent team that they sponsor. And that's, that's what the test was for. But I had no idea that. I just thought, oh, I can win a pair of Nike shoes. So <laughs> I went there. <laughs> I went there and then um, I did the test. And they were like really impressed. They're like, wow, you are a talent. We need to have you in our club and you, you need to come and train with us. So from then on, so I was 12, I started just training for running. But the training sessions were like just fun and games and it wasn't serious at all. And I really, really loved it. And I trained there for a couple of months. But th these shoes, someone from marketing thought, I'll put that in there so that more kids show up. There were no shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was just there was just running training you know eventually I, I have my shoes now so do not do not worry about that I didn't even care because I loved it so much and that that's when I started just focusing on the running um also started doing my first races and uh just first at the national level started winning races I didn't really understand thought well maybe not that many people are participating in this i still didn't actually think that i was a good runner at all um and then when i i think 16 i qualified for like a it's like a europe they call it european youth olympic festival so it's like kind of like the olympic games for under 17 or something um so i went there in, and I raced the 1500 and the 3k I, I won the 3k and I got third in the 1500 so those are my first international medals and then I thought wait a minute this is like called youth olympics maybe I should think about the actual olympics this is you know maybe I'm yeah. good at this yeah, yeah. So that, that, was, that was probably the first time so it's it's actually quite late that I that I you know mm. realized oh, maybe I'm actually good at this running thing yeah. um but from then on that was in 2003 it still took um 12 years before I actually qualified for Olympics. So that was, that was a journey where I could have given up like a thousand times and, you know, not push through to actually do it because I, you know, had so many things actually go wrong and I was so far from actually qualifying. Mm. But yeah, the first time that I actually thought of it was probably then. Yeah. Wow. That's such a great story. And so sorry, <laughs> you never got the shoes. Um, it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to learn that the process is the reward. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. just and that life's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in those those years between thinking, you know what, I might actually be okay at this, to mm. you know, finally making the Olympics and competing on in world championships and things like that. The road where you could have given up all those times, like tell us a little bit about about some of the times when you really questioned it the most and what made the answer to keep going yeah um not to keep going was because i love running and i'm actually addicted to it so that, that was pretty easy but um i went to college to uh, to the us from uh, 2006 to 2009 and uh, i was just running on the uh, university team florida state university and started out you know being an okay runner and then i ended up also winning a couple races there, won two NCA titles. So everything was actually still going well, still improving. Um, and then I signed my first contract and I was a professional runner in 2010. So I thought, okay, from here, obviously I'll go to the Olympics in two years. That's, that's what needs to happen now because I've just been improving, improving, improving. Didn't have many setbacks. 
Um, but then I got injured, and then in, in 2011, I didn't make a championship. And then in 2012, I actually missed the Olympics. I didn't, I was overtrained. I was like, I was actually not um, getting like Achilles injuries or whatever, but like I just trained way too hard to try to get this qualifier. And I was just so tired and I couldn't even race anymore. So like, I remember I, at the time I still, you know, lived in my parents' place and I remember walking up the stairs to my room and just being at the top of the stairs and just with my hands on my knees and I was so tired. I was out of breath from just walking up the stairs because I just trained so hard and gave it my all to make it there. But clearly I was still doing something wrong. Mm. So probably that was the time for me where it was the hardest because I was like, I had this big goal and I, and I, I definitely thought I was going to make it and then I didn't. And then people around me started questioning too. They were like, well, you know, you also studied in the US, so maybe you need to do something with your studies. Maybe you're kind of wasting your time. You know, people were still, they were actually questioning what I was doing. And, and that made me question myself too, but only for a little bit. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't actually, you know, be running. Maybe it's not meant to be. Um, but then I still had this feeling somewhere that I thought, I think I have more to give, but I just can't quite figure out what I'm doing wrong. But I thought, well, if I want to change something, I have to make changes. Like if you same input is same output. So like if I'm not going to change anything, I can't expect to make it there next time. So that's when I decided to change coaches. I changed to Nick then. I started also training for like longer distance. So like I was before that focused more on the 1500 and then after that more on the 5k and later the 10k. So I made some big changes. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like. It, yeah it was it was difficult in those years before because I was actually feeling like I was improving and every year what I did was just at the end of the year I would analyze okay what went well what went wrong what was my weakest link I need to work on that so like I did like up the level every year by just eliminating those weak links mm -hmm. but it still wasn't enough so that's why in 2012 I was kind of thinking well maybe maybe it isn't meant to be but I'm glad that I went on and changed things because obviously after that I had way more to give but yeah there was definitely a week in which I was like I remember watching I think it was I don't know if it was the opening or the closing ceremony but like the, the Spice Girls were like performing at the Olympics and I was watching it and I was sitting there on the couch with my brother and we had this bottle of red wine and chocolate and I was just watching and I was like oh this is so great and I'm missing it this is the end you know like it's not going anywhere and it's definitely then that I that's probably when I mm. actually wasn't sure if running was for me and now when I look back at it I'm just so glad that I pushed through but it was also because some of the people I talked to because some people were questioning and maybe that's more of like a Dutch view like ah just be just don't be so silly just you know get a normal job and, and just take care of yourself and what are you doing you're, you're just dreaming crazy things that's not going to happen but at the same time obviously because i studied in the u.s i had a lot of u.s friends and they were all saying if you have this dream and you only if even you think for one percent that you're going to make it you need to go for it and if yes. you have this opportunity you need to train and who cares that you have to live with your parents because you can't pay rent you can just live <laughs> your dream <laughs> there I was like staying like in, in the attic at my parents place and just trying to chase his dream and yeah. um I'm really grateful for those people for just like mm -hmm. convincing me that it was worth giving it another try yeah oh wow yeah, that's great. it's so incredible and I mean you just you're 2012 watching the opening ceremony you described my experience four years earlier because I was oh, doing wow. 2008 but then I made 2012 
So, but in 2008, I was like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to happen? Is this a dream ever going to come true? You know, like all the questions going through your head. But I love yeah. what you said about, um, you know, the, you know, you US friends. And it's, I feel like it's such a culture in America too, where it's like, just dream big, like allow yourself to dream big. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I do, I do respect and, and love that about the American culture is that, you know, anything is possible. And, yeah. um, you know, that those friends kind of came alongside you and instilled that belief in you when you needed it. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm happy. That, oh, sorry, that, that I'm like that. I traveled so much as well, and and met people from all over the world because you almost need that to be like a well-rounded athlete and to be able to handle being a professional athlete. If you're just like in this little tiny little bubble, I don't even know if you're gonna make it. Yeah, and you know, there's in there too. You were saying you just had that sort of nagging feeling within yourself that there was more that you were capable of of more and. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to kind of go into that for a moment and, you know, what help us to understand that whether it's the the purpose or the motivation or that sort of burning question that sits beneath why you go through all the pain and why you adjust to all the setbacks, you know, what is the, the purpose of running or of pursuing um, your potential for you? What's the purpose? Um, yeah, when you say like, it's a difficult one. You know, I, the reason I knew that, that I had more to give was probably because I saw glimpses of what I could do when I had like a little bit, you know, a couple of months of good training and I did this race that didn't really matter so much, but I performed well at this race. So for myself, there was the belief that I had more to give. Yeah. But at the same time, and that's when I talked to, you know, the friends in the US, they were like, well, what makes you happy? And like, well, this still makes me happy, even though a lot of people will think that this is a crazy life and, you know, living with your parents and you're 30 and like, shouldn't you be doing other things? That was really what made me happy. And I knew that for myself. So that, you know, there was my answer. So it's, it's very mm -hmm. simple. And that's still today because people say, well, you're getting older. How many more years are you going to keep going? Do you know yet? And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep going as long as it makes me happy. And yeah, like at the moment, like I have an Achilles niggle and I can only run every other day and I have to sit on this stupid bike that I hate to do. But overall, I would still say that running makes me happy and it's probably going to stay like that for a long time. So yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's what running means to me. That's the beauty of finding something or, you know, living, lining your life up with what, um, what lights you up, you know, what, what sets off that spark, that passion and that passion can kind of develop a greater purpose. Um, yeah, that, that's great. And speaking of what's ahead of you, um, before we segue into Rory's rap, I would love to know, <laughs> would love to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'll soon find out the, um, oh, no. <laughs> would love to know what, you know, you're obviously so intentional about your goal setting and your, your vision, um, boards and you're so intentional about that stuff but what if things go right what are you really shooting for if things go right um what am I shooting for well obviously Olympics Tokyo I'm already qualified in 10k um yeah. I might still go for the 5k but I do think that the 10k is my event and I finished fifth before at world championships so it's not that far off the medals so a medal is definitely something I would be going for, but 
for me, it's just important to be there in my best shape ever. I don't think you, you're not in control of what other people do. So mm. if, you know, I'm there in my best shape ever and I am, you know, finishing eight or nine or whatever placing it is, then I did everything I could do. So I think for me, that is probably the challenge to not make the same mistakes again because I've made a lot of mistakes while I got injured. I, I just forget that my legs can actually go faster than and my body can't keep up. <laughs> So I need to learn how to not get injured and so that I can do some consistent training and, and be at my best. And, and that's when I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's such a, um, before we go into Rory's rap, like around making those mistakes, I think it is such a, um, an opportunity to use self-compassion. Like it, it, because when you're coming from uh, the, I guess the side of being such an ambitious athlete with, loads and loads of discipline and really big goals like that you've mm -hmm. got to take risks and it's really yeah. hard sometimes to know what's gonna set you over the edge and sometimes what sets you over the edge now what what uh, wouldn't have set you over the edge two years ago or yeah. you know, vice versa like it's it's um you know and it's it's during those times when i think okay you know yes i'm injured again i made some mistakes around training and um, you know, I can learn from these, but it's okay. Cause I'm still human. And even though I've been doing this for a long time and I should know, but yeah. I'm also, I'm also like, um, at the point of, you know, we're at the point of our careers where we're like willing to like, just go for it and let loose. And, um, yeah. 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 So yeah, you have to take risks for that. And then there's always a chance of getting hurt, but yeah, it's just whenever something doesn't go right, I don't actually I don't dwell on it or anything because it's just useless negative energy. You need yeah. all the energy to massive comeback, right? So yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you are queen, queen of the comeback, Susie. Queen of the comeback. That's yeah, right. just take the feedback on board and do it better next time. So, like, um, yeah. yeah, I think in every mistake, there's always something to learn. So, it's mm. mm, good. It's growth mindset right there. That's right. <laughs> Rory's rap. Oh, Rory's rap. I'm ready. Um. Oh no, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> don't be afraid. So, so this, is, this, is where I, this is where I actually do a wrap of your story. No, I don't. Um, oh, cool. No, <laughs> I don't. Susan, firstly, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, you know, you just absolutely exude positivity and in a really honest sense where you're able to face head on the reality of any present moment but choose your response and then your attitude that you bring to that and choose to channel all that you can control all your positive energy toward what matters most to you. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the amazing stories you've shared about what you've been able to achieve and how you've adjusted to challenges are, are such a great example for us about how, how much, well, like there's so many things in life we can't control but what we can always control is our attitude and our response and our effort. And I think that you're such a, a beacon of that. And, you know, even I'm sure listeners hearing you talk, you know, you're the way you speak, the energy that you bring just to life um, through how you, how you engage with, with the world and, and the, the, your followers on Instagram this year with, you know, creating positivity and gratitude and, you know, probably the most challenging year on you know in recent history you know it just speaks to the 
the real humanness that you you bring to the challenges and the struggle and and the shared experience that is available in that so thank you for for sharing with us and you know your intentionality around having a vision and being willing to break that down to like what can i do this moment to move toward that and how can i adjust and move in that direction this next moment so you know that's that's so inspiring and i think no matter what we want to do in life you know choosing to direct our attention to what matters to us and to choose how we show up um you know we can learn so much from you in that so thank you very much and we wish wow. you all the best for <laughs> what's finally ahead. lost for words <laughs> I feel like you just like wrote me the best Christmas card ever. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. And no, thank you. We, we do really appreciate it. And, you know, for those who understand Dutch, they can order your journal. Whereabouts can they find that? And if they don't understand Dutch, they can order it to learn Dutch. <laughs> yeah, order to learn Dutch. It's a very great book to, to learn Dutch. You can still fail your training in it anyway. Uh, there's a link in, the, in my bio on my Instagram profile. So that's probably the easiest way. Awesome. And your link to your, uh, to your Instagram will be in the episode show notes. And so mm -hmm. definitely encourage anyone listening to follow, follow you and your journey, not least for your weekly your weekly visual summary of what's ahead it's so it's inspiring the way that you capture you capture the week um so thank you susan and all the best for 2021 and beyond thanks susie that thanks was for fun. having me thanks <laughs>